This is your host, James Jordan. Mike Wallace. The Eggman. And the American, Damon Sawyer. Coming at you for yet another edition of the Wide World of Motorsports podcast on CFMH 107.3 Local FM in St. John, New Brunswick. On CKMS 102.7 Radio Waterloo in Kitchener, Waterloo, Ontario. And on the Performance Motorsports Network app on your smart device. As well as on demand on wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on social media at the WWOMS. And give us a like, give us a share, give us a comment. We'd love to hear from y'all. And also reach out to us if you would like to come on the show, if you're a driver, if you're a race team, or if you're a sponsor or whatever you want to help out the show, reach out to us there. Give us a message. Also, our email, wideworldofmotorsports at gmail.com. And we'll make I'll I'll make Wallace respond to you for for us, okay? That's mm-hmm. the deal. For that's my my job <laughs> right now. Wallace, is, <laughs> that's what Wallace is gonna do. So that's the deal. And then maybe that'll help us improve the website. And maybe I can help try to figure out how we can get a better website. Mm. The Wide yeah. World of Motorsports yeah. podcast is done. Look, look whose fault it actually is. <laughs> I'm trying to step up for you, man. That's why I'm, I'm not yeah, trying to ball put it up. You enough. can do the email. I'll do the. I'll try to get the website going. All right. The Wide World of Motorsports Podcast. WordPress. Com. And really, through there, we we can post everything. We can really get a, an awesome site going. But with your help, uh, we can we can get that uh, uh, going. So hey, uh, reach out to us there, and um, also too like our. Um, newest addition here, Damon Sawyer here. Uh, you, there's other Woo. people that out there that we, we are also going to have on the show in the months to come. But if you're interested in getting on the show as a contributor, we'd love to also have you on. Um, even if you if you don't feel like you're the best at public speaking, doesn't matter. Maybe you're a good photographer. Maybe you want to be good at getting on a podcast it's really easy folks we have i have a face for radio i did it wallace did it got eggman on it and we're we are legitimately like we are on these great radio stations that put us on the air and we're able to legitimately like almost like we all have our own communities each of us um that uh, we're, there are racetracks that are helping motorsports grow and also helping the local communities so that's all that's what it's all that's been our mission statement for years from the track to the community so yeah we'd we'd love to 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 work with you get you on the show for uh for this one really big show really big uh we got lots of stuff here for the 38th episode season six recorded to you for the week of november 5th 2023 and Lots of stuff going on Wide World of Motorsports. The NASCAR season just came to an end. We'll have that a little later on, as well as the F1 season. A couple more races. We just had Brazil. That'll be up soon. And some other stuff going on that Damon uh, has covered in the Trans Am and the Supercars world. 
and whatever else Wallace wants to chime in on. <laughs> but <laughs> no, uh, as per usual, we always like to kick it off with driver spotlight where the whole point of the segment is for us to pick a driver number as uh, people out there who are not familiar numbers. We slap them on race cars so we can identify who they are for many reasons to back in the day to score them. And nowadays for the, the, the cashola. So, <laughs> cause that's a big deal. Big numbers are big deal. People get it tattooed on their, their bodies. And then sometimes they change numbers and it's like, oh, it's crazy. Uh, I guess they'll just add on a number, but um, big deal, big deal. And in some series, it's more of a big deal than others. And for us as a NASCAR mm-hmm. fan from the NASCAR world, it's, it's <laughs> being without a number. I don't think you're much. I mean, you, they are, they are trying to focus more on sponsors now in the recent years, but, um, but yeah, hey. the numbers are so attached in NASCAR uh, nowadays to just the charter and and a team right. sometimes i i feel and like tradition before be when tradition. it was attached to a driver mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right especially as we're seeing these teams like hendrick motorsports like joe gibbs racing the staples and also what we're going to get into some of those those back backbones <laughs> those ba- on the back burner uh drivers that sometimes we we like to pick on the driver's spotlight here. We'll you'll hear that here in a, in a few moments. But yeah, you know, uh, and also in their series as as well, where numbers are just correlate to where they are, where they were in the standings uh, the year prior. So mm-hmm. like in Formula, eh, uh, sometimes we do slip mm-hmm. one of those in, but that's only from one till third in the thirties. So really, we're 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 in that range. We haven't done too many many of those we're as i said we're more i'm more nascar grew up a nascar these guys basically same deal from what it sounds like um yeah it's like i don't know these guys uh <laughs> who are these guys these, these new gentlemen that have joined me i've actually only haven't on met one and show. he's one of the longer tenured hosts not the long yeah but uh story for another day here on the driver spotlight today, it's anyway. number thirty. Anyway, got a shout out to uh, my inspiration of getting into this stuff, Jamie Clarkson and Top Gear. That's where that's hope people out there know that reference is that meme where Jeremy Clarkson's Clarkson's going. Anyway, uh, I wish we could insert that in somehow. That'd be cool. You could look at we could, but yeah. <laughs> you can't afford the lawsuit. You okay. would you would be the one in charge of that, my friend. Okay. Yeah, just called me out on the show. Right on the show, just like that. Uh, this is episode thirty-eight. We're gonna pick driver number thirty-eight. Who's gonna go first? I'll go first. And in other news, <laughs> we're going to take the driver spotlight and flip it on its head. So. NASCAR fans, when you think of number 38, if you're not thinking, you know, maybe Roush Yates or whatever in the Cup Series, there is one team that is synonymous with driving the 38. Didn't matter who drove for them for years. That was the 38 
great clips car in the Bush series, Nationwide, Xfinity, whatever you knew it as. So in the mid-90s, you had the Barbasol 38 car. Then it came to the Great Clips car starting in 2001, all by the same team, Atkins Motorsports. They had a bunch of drivers, like you had Christian Elder, who drove in 2001. Then he split it in 2002 with Mark Green, legend in the Bush series. 2003 is when more well-known drivers, more recent drivers, kind of took into this ride. Casey Kane, who was a Ford development driver before he got snatched up by Dodge and Ray Evernham, actually was in the 38 car and drove several races in 2002. And then they, the team actually swapped to Dodge's once he went to Ray Evernham Motorsports in the Cup Series. And 2005 was like one of the busier years for Atkins Motorsports. They had four drivers run the 38 car that year. They had Casey Kane. They had Tyler Walker, who I believe there was a Black Flags Matter bust video on about him. And then Mike Wallace. And here's a name that you probably haven't heard of in a while. AJ Foyt IV. Yes, there was another Foyt that attempted some stock car racing back in the day. He, Mike Wallace, Casey Kane, finished out the 2005 season. In 2006, Atkins merged with Braun Racing, who was a juggernaut. They were like the colic racing at the time, I feel like, of Xfinity. Just expansion. Crazy happy. And from 2006 to 2010, old left turn Jason Leffler drove the 38 car. Then after he left, 2010, <laughs> Casey Kane took the ride back over. And then they shuttered that car at the end of the 2010 season. That's kind of when Braun started going downhill a little bit when they went to the Cup Series and, and so on and so forth. But yeah, so that 38, it was a Dodge for a while. And then it was a Toyota when I went to Braun Racing. But that 38, that black car with the red flames, great clips, that's just like, it didn't matter who was driving it. You always were expecting to see that car on the track. It was just a staple of the Bush Series. And I feel that in this one instance, the number is more synonymous than any of the drivers who ran the car, even though there was some good names. Uh, Elton Sawyer back in the 90s was the Barbasol car. And yeah, Casey Kane, Jason Loeffler, so on and so forth. <laughs> so, all right. So 38, I had to get started with 38, its own little spotlight. So take it from there, boys. Like bring, it, bring it back to reality. <laughs> Who's going to bring it back down? Who's going to? How do you, yeah, I like that one. That's good. Uh, I think uh, Eggman here, he's, he's, he's itching to go. You think so, huh? Eggman, <clears throat> Eggman needs some time here on the WAMs. So, <laughs> you guys know how much I love obscurity. Mm-hmm. I have possibly my most obscure one yet. So, last week I picked Loy Allen Jr., and you all said, Who? I have a guy that ran even fewer races than Loy Allen Jr. did. That being Rich Woodland Jr. Rich Ooh. Woodland exactly. Rich <laughs> Woodland Jr. drove the number 38 Chevrolet for Bill Strop Motorsports in one single race 
1996 at Sonoma, finishing an unimpressive 37th. The only other cup start he ever made was in 1993 at Phoenix, in which he finished an equally unimpressive 38th. Now, when I say didn't run that many races, I'm not kidding. Across the top three divisions in NASCAR competition, he ran a total of 11 starts. Okay, okay. Yikes. So, a lot of times when I say cup drivers that only got a few starts, they had something of a career in the truck series or the Xfinity series, what have you. Not the case here. I don't know how he got his rides. I don't know what the story is there, but he ran 11 starts his entire career across three divisions. He had to have been like a Winston West or like a Southwest series driver. Like kind of it, like it, it, it must it must have been because the races he did run were largely west of the Mississippi. We've got, of course, obviously they're going to have him run Daytona. That's just going to happen in the truck series is the only time he ever ran Daytona Daytona. Otherwise he ran at Texas. He ran California. He ran Texas again, Phoenix, more Sonoma. It's all for the most part out West. There's a couple back this way. He's got one start at Michigan. He has got uh, one start at gateway in 2000, but you're correct. For the most part, it is out West. According to the NFL, St. Louis is out west. So I mean, even <laughs> yeah, even Gateway that counts. So yeah, St. No, Louis is like up. due south from me. So that's <laughs> you're in the west. <laughs> um. So yeah, Rich Woodland Jr. There's not much about him. There's not much mm-hmm. for him. Couldn't even find a picture of the car. Wow. <laughs> he couldn't so even finish thirty eighth in the thirty eight car. <laughs> Yeah, okay. it's it, it he it's it's a weird one. This is sometimes that's a good one. So this up next though, this is sometimes Michael Wallace's favorite time of the week here. You you, what do you got? Um, well, I went for a driver who drove this car one year. He drove it out a few rounds. Uh, but I was able to meet this guy at CTMP, Can and that is Park. a one Mr. Yeah, a one Mr. <laughs> Connor Daly drove the number thirty-eight uh, Oreca. Uh, well, I've I seen that the guy numbering, LM too. 009 or whatever um, pro, uh, prototype challenge car in uh, the PC class in. What would have been at the time, I believe that was, uh, what was that series? Because it changed name, uh, United Sports Car Championship, so, uh, which is IMSA now. Uh, that would have been its second year as one. But uh, anyways, yeah, he was, uh, I was walking through the paddock. I didn't expect him to be there, and he happened to be there, and he told me that that's the car he was in i got his autograph too which was really nice and probably spoke with him for about uh, 10 15 minutes and uh that was pretty cool some of you would know connor from running an indy car and running indy 500 his father of course uh 
Derek Daly, Formula One driver, sports car driver, mm, not overly successful, but and has dipped his toes successful. in the NASCAR world. Yeah, well, of course, definitely. He Connor's run in the NASCAR world. Uh, Connor's stepfather is Doug Bowles, who is president of uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So Connor's very steeped in in racing. Uh, racing lore yeah 2015 was the was the year that connor raced at ctmp i believe that's the only I, I, it's, I, this, he's either that was the second time or his only time he had ever been to the racetrack i think he might have been there um quite a few years prior doing some sort of open wheel series that would have been part of his ladder but uh you know, talking, we listened to Damon talk about the th- 38 being synonymous with that NASCAR team. 38 is very much synonymous with Performance Tech Motorsports and IMSA Racing, always donning this number on their cars. Same typical colors, black, red, silver, and, and maybe a little bit of white, depending on who's who, if what kind of sponsors are on the car. And if, uh, uh, now, it's recent um, iteration of the team, uh, our friend of the show, young Jonathan Woolridge, uh, is driving the number 38 at the moment, or has been. He just finished up racing at Petit Le Mans a month ago. So, yeah, 38 is a popular number with with many people and many teams. So, uh, yeah, actually, it's funny. I went and made sure that I brought my, my Enroque Ligier hat uh, with me to CTMP this year because I knew because Jonathan uh, drove for them at, at at that track, so I got him to autograph. Because they were driving the Ligier JSP, whatever it is, um, LMP3 car. So I was. Like, I was he's like, why does this hat smell like cabbage? It. Yeah, no, it definitely stunk. I that that's been around more than one race day on my head but since jonathan is an official ligier driver i i figured i was able to get him to sign it so he did that for me so yeah uh number 38 performance tech motorsports uh uh connor daly james french who was a pato award also drove this car um pato and james one year went uh 10 for 10 on wins and nine for 10 on um Pole positions, so it was a. It's a good car. Always been a good team. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and like it sounds like the number's been pretty synonymous around racing, especially with the thirty-eight with the involvement in Robert Yates racing, which with this driver here, who kind of brings the connection from that over to Front Row Motorsports in quote unquote recent years. Um, with the number 38, we've, I don't know what other Gillens we've done before in the show. I think, I think we did Todd. I I thought we did Todd. So I thought we could, we could, uh, put up David here. Maybe Um, you you still can. Right. So is that okay? If I can do David Gillen, guys, <laughs> I don't care. I'm not in charge. Yes, we'll let it by. We'll let it by. We'll let it by. Yeah, this is your sense. show. Do what you oh, want. No. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we should email and Thanks, ask guys. Him. Yeah, I guess. Send me. Dear David, we have Thanks, consent guys. to use your name on our show. Um, 
geeks are most so bad. Yeah, Arca, NASCAR Craftsman Trucks, Cup, Cars Tour, even. This guy knows how to race. He's raced uh, everywhere. Formerly full-time competitor for a decade in the NASCAR Cup Series. Now semi-retired, competing part-time in the trucks in the number one Toyota Tundra. And the Arkham Menard series East and West. Driving for his team. Um, born in Riverside, California. Son of the former Cup and, and West series driver Butch Gilliland. And father of current full-time Cup series driver Todd Gilliland. After competing full-time in the West series like his father. Gilliland ran part-time in what is now the NASCAR Xfinity Series in 2006 and scored a win at Kentucky Speedway, which is considered one of the biggest upsets in NASCAR history. In his first full season in the Cup Series, Gilliland would win the pole for the 2007 Daytona 500. Gilliland, as I said... Oh, here, here's a fun fact. He was a high school golf teammate of Tiger Woods. <laughs> oh, no. Um, ran it, as I said, though. Uh, he, and they went to a lot of uh, restaurants together. Don't get us canceled. Uh, don't Sorry. get us canceled. Um, <laughs> that's an off-air that joke. Of, that's an off-air joke. That's, of course, just joking. I'm just joking. So he went full-time in the number 38 car in 2007 with M&M's and Mars returning as sponsors to the car. However, Mars decided before the 2007 season to move on to its 2008 sponsorship teammate to Ricky Rudd's uh, ride at Yates in 2007 and in preparation for moving to Kyle Busch for, two, uh, for 2008. And this meant that Gillen needed to impress in 2007 to attract a sponsor for the number 38. He started the season with a bang, winning his second career poll at the 2007 Daytona 500, his first points-paying race at the track. In the race itself, Gillen finished eighth and also drove part-time in the Bush Series for Team Renzi Motorsports with sponsorship from freecreditreport.com. Ooh, this is probably a defunct website. It's probably a virus now. Get sued for that. 100%. Had some banger commercials back in the day. But, oh, oh, really? <laughs> I should have mm-hmm. feel like I need to look this up now. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Ones that probably live rent-free in people's minds. I get it caught in my head at least twice a week. <laughs> really? Nice. I'll send you a compilation uh, no after we're done. That's funny. I hope if they, you know, if they still exist, pay up. What was uh, it called again? No, no. Freecreditreport.com. Um, Is that the one where it's like real twangy? Like <laughs> freecreditreport.com. Is it that one? Yep, it's that one. Doing? Yeah, okay. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> okay. Yeah, anyway, um, Anyways. He, he had some difficulty, though, uh, due to some of his performances uh, getting sponsorship for that car years later he would find himself in the car again for front row motorsports also not the greatest of finishes got uh mostly like third like in the 30s or or last this isn't knocking the guy 
at uh, the plate tracks, he's usually has a top 10 once in a blue moon. Usually in once in a blue moon, not good put together in a sentence. But he seemed like that kind of guy. So we'll give it to him, though. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why anyone would pick him for their fantasy. No offense to him, but hey, he, uh, I feel like with his involvement with racing, it's important to mention that. And got to go with another important number for the Front Row Motorsports, number 38, David Gillen. That wraps up our driver spotlight here. It's fantastic. Fantastic. Woo! Yeah. For those joining us on the radio on CFMH 107.3 Local FM and CKMS 102.7 Radio Waterloo, as well as the Performance Motorsports Network app and wherever, whatever place wants to let us stream. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, join us, uh, give us some, give us some love, social media at the WWOMS, which is Doing our driver spotlight there. Let's talk. Uh, let's get into the wide world of motorsports here. Let's uh, kick it off with Damon here. You got some stuff for us. Sure do there. So diving into a series that Canadian race fans will become more familiar with in the next 12 months as they will be racing at CTMP for the Labor Day sprints next year. The Trans Am Series presented by Pirelli. They wrapped up their season this weekend for both the National and the West Series at Coda down in Texas. So one championship was already decided, one main championship, the TA class that was won by Chris Dyson a couple races ago. This particular race, Gar Robinson driving the 74 Ranch Resort car, his own car, one from pole on, on the TA class there the ta2 series which is what's really getting a lot of viewership and a lot of spotlight it's becoming a nascar development hub for drivers to get road racing experience there's a lot of teams that are investing track house and several nascar drivers are investing and even joe gibbs is sending some of their rookie drivers down there like Connor Mozak and, and several drivers like that. Uh, Sean Higarani was in the race this weekend just to get road racing experience. So the TA2 class is not quite a, what I want to say, like with the parity, like, you know, the engines aren't sealed or anything like that, but there's a lot of cost controls to try to make things as fair as possible. But still, the, the best drivers will come out on top at, at the end of the day. But anyway, there was a two-horse race for the championship between series veteran Thomas Merrill, who has also raced in a variety of sports car championships, and then the phenom run, who was leading the championship, 15-year-old Brent Cruz for Nitro Motorsports. He's got a lot of resources at Nitro Motorsports. He's got driver Brian Keselowski, who's a crew chief on one of the cars for the team. Derek Cope has been like a driver coach. They've been in that that team's been around racing for a while, but they just started a couple years ago in the TA2 series. So basically all Brent had to do was finishing the top 10 and he was going to win the championship. So if you've ever watched a TA2 race, which you can watch all of the Trans Am Series races live on YouTube, and then you can always go back on their webpage, their YouTube page to watch the races over, which I do recommend watching. They're, they're pretty entertaining. Uh, but if entertaining, 
it can be compared to another race that we're going to talk about later in the show. And I don't want to spoil anything too much, but if you watch the truck race on Friday night, you kind of have an idea how this race panned out on Sunday morning. The race started out good. You had Connor Zilich, who's a name you're going to hear a lot about in the silver hair Chevrolet Camaro. He had a quite a lead. He was racing with Merrill and... Uh, last name is Hearn. He's an Nathan Hearn, who is an Australian, won the TA2 series in Australia. Got him a full ride this year in the National Series. Those three were racing for the lead. Zillitz had an issue. He had to drop out. So it was between Merrill and Nathan Hearn for the lead. And the races were going good. It was really clean. Brent Cruz was running third or fourth, keeping it clean, just doing what he had to do. And then going through the stadium section with about 15 laps to go, some big dive bombs, last of the late breaker moves by Nathan Hearn. Got Merrill a bit upset. They tangled, damaged both of their cars, spun out Hearn. And while the commentator crew was debating whether there was going to be a penalty for Thomas Merrill, him and another driver tangled in the final corner, which caught up several dry other drivers, including uh, Canadian team BC Racing with Misha Goidberg, who was having a great run. And knocked like two or three cars out. Um, Merrill got pushed back into the mid 20s. That allowed actually a good driver who got called up last minute, Cameron Lawrence, who's ran a couple of NASCAR races, but he's done a lot of Trans Am racing. He took the lead, but then he got passed by Brent Cruz's teammate, Thomas Anunziata, who's another young gun who we'll probably be hearing a lot about. He passed Lawrence, ended up taking the win as there was a car stalled on track. The race finished under caution, which does happen quite a bit in that series because they do not have green-white checkers. So Thomas Nunziata, achieved by Brian Keselowski, got the win. Brent wow. Cruz finished top five, wrapped up the championship. And, you, and he was racing with a broken ankle or a sprained ankle from a sports injury they had suffered earlier that that week but you wouldn't know the kid's 15 listen he is very well spoken he doesn't get rattled by situations he's a very fierce competitor but also very smart you're going to be hearing a lot about this driver coming up which is the whole idea of the trans am series as they've kind of had a rebirth these last few years is they're really taking ta2 cars which you could compare to like a pinty's car there's a lot of cost control caps going on it's mm -hmm. not spec racing but there's definitely like there's one manufacturer for the Dodge bodies and one manufacturer mm. for the Chevy bodies, so on and so forth. And they have cost limits on certain parts of the car. And you can only buy from certain approved things. So it's also kind of like the new Gen 7 cars for the Cup Series. There's, there's a, only certain approved manufacturers of parts. So, yeah, a lot of teams are sending their young drivers to race in TA2, there isn't the age limit that like ARCA and some of the Oval Series have to get more big-bodied car experience before they move up to ARCA and, and going forward. So Brett Cruz won the championship in TA2. He is going to be a name to be watching out for for a very long time. So what you are in store for when they come to CTMP in September is you're going to see a lot of action. And if you like crashes, which, you know, they say real racing fans don't like that, but that's a whole nother situation. You're probably going to see a lot of accidents because it's, they get big fields 
and there's a wide discrepancy of driver talent from the first to last. And, but it makes for an entertaining show. So there is your Trans Am Spotlight for episode 38. And I believe now it is time for the untitled F1 segment hosted by the Eggman. Take it away. Yes, indeed. And this week, the Formula One circus goes down to Sao Paulo, Brazil for the Brazilian Grand Prix at Interlagos, which is uh, in my my top three personal favorite circuits on the calendar. And uh, it produced about as good a race as you could ask for given that Max won by, like, 15-something seconds. Yeah, both. Didn't he? He won the sprint and the main. He won, he won the sprint and the main, and he was on pole. And I'm I'm just not going to report on it because everyone knows it's going to happen. Yeah, fair enough. So I didn't happen to catch qualifying. I caught the highlights, and it was there was nothing super exciting about qualifying. Um, there was no times deleted or engine failures or anything like that to make it crazy there yeah. was there was the impending doom of a storm that um, that showed up and cut off the end of q i believe it was q2 uh i su- highly suggest you guys go look up those pictures it was it was kind of scary looking actually oh yeah it was bl- like black black Ooh. black over turn coming from turn one it's crazy actually. yeah it was it was that uh, of qualifying that was the most exciting thing is that that storm rolling in and cutting off some some qualifying laps, but I digress. Coming to the race, there was a little excitement, or rather disappointment, uh, before they had even lined up on the grid as Charles Leclerc suffers a hydraulic failure on the formation lap that sent him into the barriers and ended his race before it had even begun. Man, that you know, that's gotta be. We've talked about it before, like with just NASCAR Pinty series, particular, like driving all the way out east, which is no little feat for for our series, and then getting wrecked and in first corner, first lap. They went all the way to South America, mind you, they're pretty much there because they just came from Mexico, but they were already in Mexico, yes. All that way to not even make it to the grid. Like, ugh. Yeah. Um, it's, I don't know what happened. I don't know if a line blew, if a hose came off, if there was some other issue that caused the hydraulic failure. But uh, Charles was absolutely distraught on the mm-hmm. radio. Yeah. And it's, you got to feel for the guy. Dude couldn't buy luck. No, no, no. It's been it's been a bad bad year for those boys. All right, yeah. Sorry, I just I just was why well, I hate seeing that. I always hate seeing that. It doesn't matter who the car is. It's just it, it's such a gut wrenching feeling to watch. I mean, let's yeah, be real absolutely. though. Going out before the race starts is is peak Ferrari these these years. Happened to Leclerc <laughs> from the damage he suffered at the Monaco Grand Prix a couple years ago. Carlos Sainz had an issue. Was it in Singapore last year? A couple years ago, I feel like it was going out on the formation lap. Like, I, there's no team that has issues on the formation lap like Ferrari. They they are the prancing horse. They prance their way right back to the garage area and not even start the race. They're good about that. Yeah, uh, I don't yeah. know what's going on in the Ferrari Formula One team, but they have they have been off form for going on a decade now. Actually, uh, yeah, because really their last did. title was 07, I think. 
So that's it, it was. It was Kimmy 07. That's that's rough. <laughs> and why? Well, and as Massa wins, but his his <laughs> his lawsuit, of course. Yeah. Oh well. Moving but, on. Speaking yes. of, you mentioned turn one, lap one. Speaking of turn one, lap one, there was a bit of an incident uh, <laughs> between Kevin Magnuson, Alex Albin, and Kevin's teammate Nico Hulkenberg that took that took Alex Albon and Kevin Magnuson out of the race. Basically, what what had happened was uh, K Mag squeezed. Or not squeezed, pushed Hulkenberg out just a little bit, trying to get himself a better entry into turn one, not realizing that Albon was outside of Hulkenberg. Albon got turned, took out uh, Kevin Magnuson. They both ended up in the barriers. And then the tire carcass from, I believe it was Albon's car, destroyed Daniel Ricciardo's rear wing. Oh, yeah. Which, again, dude can't buy some luck this year. but uh he did he was able to continue in the race but effectively all track position was gone you know it's just kind of sucky Daniel Ricardo is and has always been one of my favorite drivers and that's just that carcass took a bad bounce yeah I mean I mean I know it hit his rear wing and and they have the the halo and everything but it was very reminiscent of um Justin Wilson at Pocono when that he got when he when he got killed hitting that nose cone that came off of one of the cars bouncing yeah. across the track. So scary Fla- stuff. Lucky no flying flying parts are never never good, but it is what it is. At least it was just a rear wing and not you know a head. Yeah, yeah. Because at the angle it came in at, it wouldn't it would have taken like just a little bit earlier and it hits the cockpit from the top which the halo is not really going to help with but yeah worst case scenarios aside that brought out a safety car there was a restart and Lando Norris was taking it to max early uh but he did not have the car to keep up the attack i don't know if red bull is that good or if max is that good but the point i'm going to make in a minute is going to lean to the former rather than the latter per se so all day because max was leading so he you know he leading is leading but (laughs) sergio perez showcased red bull's elite straight line speed all race long he was passing dudes inside outside Mm -hmm. turn one uh on that other on that second drs zone off of turn three he was just giving them the business all day which led to the other notable event of the weekend Sergio Perez and Fernando Alonso putting on the best show of the season on on the last two laps, swapping third position back and forth a number of times, uh, racing inches apart from each other, never making contact. The tactical use of DRS and where you position yourself at the the sensor line, all of it was outstanding. For uh, Fernando Alonso ended up holding on. Two third over Sergio Perez by f- five one hundredths of a second, which for NASCAR is not overly close, but in Formula One terms, that's that's a little tight. Yeah, that's pretty close. Yeah, so like I said, it was uh, other than the shenanigans at the beginning, it was a fairly uneventful race. 
ish, but Brazil is just a fun track to watch. It is, mm-hmm. uh, it, it is a. I love the layout. I love playing it on the video games. It's awesome. Yeah, it was always one of my better tracks. Uh, it for whatever reason always fit my. It fits my driving style. So it was always I, I a, a think, good track. It's a I flowing. Th- yeah, it's it's a flowing yeah. track. You have to work the throttle a little bit. You know, things Rewarding like that. Rewarding when you get it right. Right. It's, yeah, it's cool it, it'll track. it'll bite you if you screw it up too. So the, some of those yeah. curb, some of those curbs are not pleasant. But the, the real problem with the with the track actually has more to do with um and 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 I I mean this with with much respect. It has more to do with where it is because they do have lots of issues and the teams get like escorted in to the track in case because they're worried. Same with with Mexico sometimes. Although Mexico is not as bad, but. Um, there's yeah, been there, big there, issues there. There are a few circuits on the calendar, and I'm not going to n- name them due to I don't want to start any political discourse among the fan nah, base. Screw it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the ones in the Middle East specifically, yeah, uh, they have a little bit of added security around them. Uh, like earlier this year, there was a bombing less than a mile from Jeddah. Yeah, really yeah, earlier yeah, this I year. Mm hmm. Oh, so they're they're, they're pretty, so crazy. They can be in some pretty. It was unrelated to Formula One, obviously, but it was. It's just the proximity at which it it happened was it enough. Was to, um, what was it? Red Bull. <laughs> Imagine trying to race with the thinking that might happen. Well, isn't it crazy though that something like that happens and and you only know it like they might talk about it but they don't really they address it it's to, like yeah. empty stands mm-hmm. they so, just don't talk about empty stands so i actually have a theory behind this it's people that and it's not just in the middle east it's all over the place people that carry out and this is kind of veering away from motorsports for a second but it applies here people that carry out those types of attacks whether it's at a racetrack or not at a racetrack Nine times out of ten are doing it for notoriety, and if you don't talk about mm. it, you don't validate what they did. Mm-hmm, right. Yeah. Fair enough. No, I, mm-hmm. I completely agree. Yeah. So they'll report that it happened, but you'll notice you'll notice most media don't talk about names anymore because that's that's exactly yeah, what they want. Which I would agree, I would agree with. Yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on. So for, yeah. <laughs> Moving past that, uh, your podium is Max P one, Lando P two, yet again. He's gonna win one of these times, probably not this year. I would imagine. If he's in Red Bull, maybe. I don't know, man. That McLaren's pretty quick. Yeah, I don't know where. I don't know where what it I came don't... from, but it is. Yes, that is interesting to where their speed has come from. You know, the team, interestingly enough, had has lost some of its top engineers. Like the one guy uh, went to. Sauber or Alfa Romeo, which is going to become it's going to be Sauber Audi. again next year. Yes, I think it's Sauber again next year until Audi comes in. Right. Okay. Yeah, and I can't remember mm-hmm. his name. I can see his face. He was Porsche LMP the uh, uh, Andrea Seidel or something. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. And then the there was another guy too. I can't think of his name, and he left as well. Maybe maybe they got some. Maybe it's they, those new guys, blood in there. Yeah, those guys left, and they were either let go or asked to leave or chose to leave because 
sometimes a fresh perspective is all you need to make a difference, and I think it's worked worked well for McLaren. Uh, but uh, f- wrapping up F1 here, I already finished your podium, so your other notable finishers are uh, Perez in a return to form almost up to P4. Speaking of returns to form, Canada's own Lance Stroll bringing home a P5. <laughs> hey, um, you know... Look, my American driver's not doing yeah. great, so I so I got to no. grasp at straws. Wasn't he last? No, he finished 11th, actually. You got to have a good race once in a while. But uh, a while. other notable finishers, <laughs> Gasly, P7, Sonoda, P9, and uh, Ocon, P10. Excited to yeah, where they go? We're going back. We're going to Vegas next, which is yeah, excited. Which, so to Vegas. Looks like an upside-down pig. Yeah, it's going to be weird <laughs> to see how pretty. Vegas has been shut down considerably, and a lot of they they've ripped up a lot of stuff, uh, shut down a lot of the. Oh, fountains. they hate it. A lot of people the not happy about hate it. it. Yeah, um, although in a good note, uh, a band taking residency in Las Vegas, uh, the lead singer uh, promised to bridge uh, the gap between quote unquote. I would like to bring peace between NASCAR. And F1, uh, Bono's going. Yeah, but to, the problem uh, isn't between NASCAR and F1. It's between Las Vegas. It's between and the city of Las Vegas. Live there. So the the quote it, yeah, specifically, like, uh, he was naming out the band members and their equivalent to an F1 driver. So, um, like the drummer is right now. He's filling in for the normal drummer. He's from Holland, so he was Max Verstappen, and and then. Bono uh, named himself Ricardo because Ricardo is he he's interested in doing NASCAR stuff, right? And he ran the he he drove the number three around. Uh, I feel like this is a stretch. Yeah, no, but hey, it <laughs> might happen. Na- NASCAR though, it, it may I don't know if it maybe he just saw it on TV because it was a championship weekend. But I I don't know. It wasn't the most apparently. Not that we're all about ratings and we're not about that stuff, but apparently. The cup race is not watched as much as it was last year, but whatever. It was probably because people were on AD Sports. Which, the championship <laughs> one? Yeah, the cup championship, because we were all on Ad Sports watching Abu Dhabi's. Yeah, it's because it's the best, and I don't, we, we yeah, right? I love that. I love Ad Sports, man. It is, it, it's I've like watched the every sports. race this year. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, well, I've, I've got used for a couple years. And, anyway. and and the cool thing about it is it's not just Cup, it's Xfinity and it's truck. And if they run Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they it's on there show it Friday, off. Saturday, yeah. Sunday. Unless somebody dies in that country. 80sports.com. It's, 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 it's yeah, NASCAR. Yeah, that's true. Sure. Yeah. Um, so we got about 10 minutes here. Let's wrap it up with some of the talk about coming out of the it's only been a week we'll have more on on the 2023 season but let's talk about some of the stuff coming out of phoenix uh specifically uh first off let's let's start off with a couple minutes on that truck race what happened there absolute disaster what a waste of time embarrassing i mean we're not the first ones to say it for sure Mm -hmm. uh actually i was i'm not saying it because he said it but i did hear that junior had said the same thing about it on his comment on this show um but it was it was it wasn't a good one Mm -hmm. i mean they had like what it's seven eight nine cautions or something like like it was just well i looked overtime because i didn't watch it live because i was at work but um i looked in on 
Google because I was trying to see who was either winning or who had won, just so I knew. And uh, it's it said currently running lap one seventy seven of one fifty five. I think is what, yeah. I think is what it said. So they yeah. th- that that's that's rough. So we had a run, yeah. So we had a run in with two championship contenders. Josevar ran into Corey Heim in, in turn two, which then took out Stuart Friesen, <laughs> and then Heim retaliated quite grossly, uh, stuffing uh, Josevar into the wall and also taking out or ruining um, Enfinger's chance. Uh, yeah, that, that move stole the championship from Grand Enfinger, and I'm kind of and, that, and, yeah, and that's probably why else. we heard that Heim. Heim got a $25,000 fine. Yeah. Or something like that for that. that. 20, no, it. 25 points or something. 20. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was like $15,000 uh, and 25 but on, points. But on the flip side, though, the Xfinity series was pretty good. Like Smoke said, the uh, hopefully the truck guys took some notes. Very good. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. good. And I could not be any happier with the dude that won the chip, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Re- that's really a driver that I, I paid attention to this year. Cause I was like, we we've seen this before where a driver gets knocked down and then they're, they're out, right? Like they Custer. just never really Cole recover Custer. Cole Custer. Um, so for them, for Stuart Haas to re-sign him before the end of the season, and then he goes out there and, and, and wins that up. championship. So that's really good. I'm, I'm so happy that Stuart Haas saw fit to keep him on and let him run the Xfinity right. car. Because mm-hmm. in most of those situations, Especially they're just letting that, letting that driver go Especially and finding Gene. somebody else. But they let Cole come back, and it was absolutely it worth it. It sounds like Tony oh, wasn't so I mean, on board with, th- but because it, it specifically, you didn't. I didn't. I don't think I heard Tony thanked uh, from Cole Custer after. I think Gene was given the spotlight on that one. Not that there's any dirt sheets. On that potentially, but maybe there dude is. just won a championship. I he's wouldn't be did, surprised if he just forgot. forgot. You forgot Tony Stewart, your boss. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> no big that one. Cole's father is uh, is big in Stewart Haas racing, so that's one of the reasons why he started so early, and probably the reason why he stood stayed in. But definitely a good driver and, and deserved. No that. doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Um, but once once again, though, one more point I'm gonna make. You gotta feel for Justin Allgaier, don't you? <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I th- I personally I feel like he does it to himself. I, how do you come to that up close and just not? I, I know what you mean, though. But it's just I, like, I, oh. I just don't think Phoenix is his best racetrack, and it shows. He did finish second, Fair. though. How about the cup but race? I, I think I think Justin is the modern Mark Martin of the Xfinity series, and it. You just That's got a much better comparison you, than Denny Hamlin to Mark Martin. Yeah, uh, Justin Allgaier has finished second in the points several times. And uh, moving on to the Sunday, the Cup race, uh, we we a couple of us called it last week, and I wasn't sure about it as a fan. I really wanted it to happen. I couldn't believe it. Ryan Blaney finally NASCAR champion. Absolutely, and I, I'm not, not bragging, but I called the last three races of the year before they. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think that was a great race for Ryan. Uh, he really of the four drivers, he was the one that improved the most over the race and got and and really he picked it up late in the season too. It. He did, <laughs> yes, of course, mm-hmm. that whole team did, and he did. Um, you know, 
hats off to Ross for winning that race, being the first driver. I think it's in within a decade there to win the race that that is not the Certain, certainly the first yeah. driver under this format to yep. beat the championship yes. for. Yeah, and, yep. and quite I would say quite quite dominantly. Um, I think there was a big showcase in these cars here at, at how uh, aero sensitive they are. We I remember when NASCAR used to be very aero sensitive, and now we've gone back that way. But I thought that much like the Martinsville fall race was better than the spring, I thought this was a much better race all around. I thought it was entertaining. I thought there was a lot going on. Mm-hmm. There, there. I don't think anything was manufactured. I thought this was a good finishing race all of them were racing close together at a few points christopher bell when he had the broken right front brake rotor on lap yeah when that went down that sucks Mm -hmm. yeah and and i and i made a point to you guys about that seeing you know that's two gibbs um failures that took two of the his drivers out of contention for a championship right denny hamlin a couple weeks ago with 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 um what was it power steering and it broke and he went into the wall and then and then this brake failure i mean you i guess you could say that it was maybe seabell's fault for mm-hmm. running too much brake but i mean how do you blame it i, I i'm not too I much I up on that I, I can't blame the driver on a mechanical failure like that No, because everybody else is out there doing the same thing and nobody else is blowing a rotor so blaney was I getting just... pretty heated on the comms throughout the race he wasn't too happy with the handling but it seemed like it uh, ended up doing what he needed to do and with these cautions he was able to get it fixed up the way he needed to uh, gave him a little bit more confidence toward the end of the race on the comms, um, especially once he started getting out past the uh, out past Larson, and there was a great battle there too. They they did they they raced very well, and they both gave each other props after that race. Yeah, um, my my favorite soundbite of the weekend is when Rudy Fugel was telling William Byron, "The twelve is melting down. Go oh, get yes. him!" Isn't that crazy? You know him. Re- you know him. He's re- melting down. Yeah, that was wild. He reminds me a bit of um, Lewis Hamilton. Hamilton's like that, where he'll he gets all whiny and car's not good, or I'm in this trouble, and then like that's right. for some reason <laughs> yeah. it's this mental position that they put themselves. Kyle Busch, much much Blaney same way, they flipping put everyone themselves off. in this. Yeah, <laughs> more of the dash. Yeah, um, yeah. And and yeah, he battled uh, the twenty four two a couple times. His brother in law as well. Yeah, there was some good, there was good battles there, and was well up for with up front with Ross Chastain. I mean, with him winning that race, and then off the year with that uh, kind of bang, it's pretty good. Not 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 there. You can't not give props to Blaney for winning the championship, and you can't also just completely. You can't just mention the winner just because. But uh, Ross deserved that. I like Ross. I think he needs to clean up his act just a little bit but i like ross as a person and as a driver and if anyone was going to beat the championship four in a championship race i'm so happy it's him the one thing i was gonna mention too is that i did feel like this year in particular maybe as a whole but particularly in this race i noticed it where the championship drivers didn't get um maybe the same amount of respect as as they have in the past uh, i feel like ross kind of raced a little rough we saw true x in there running a little rough 
um, pushing some things a busher. I understand they're running the races. That's not that's not what I'm saying. I just mm-hmm. feel that sometimes, like if we're gonna if we're gonna play this game where the we're gonna go to one race for the champion, they we gotta give them a little bit more of mm-hmm. a grace. I I think, but sure, sure. I don't know how you guys. I don't know. Think I th- I think if they're gonna run one race for the championship, it should be like any other race. Right. Yeah. See. Yeah. Damon, how I about mean, you? As we wrap it up here, I think it was fine the way it was. My my favorite part of the race was when you had Chastain, Harvick, and Busher in the top three. Like that was my favorite part right. of the race right there. And props to Harvick. Yeah, even Harvick yeah. just career twenty one straight top ten finishes at Phoenix. And it was all uh, playoff drivers too that were up front for that race. We never saw a non playoff driver up front through normal racing, of course. Yeah, it was exciting. It was the most exciting race I've seen in years. And as a, a fan of Blaney, um, when Jimmy wasn't, oh uh, yeah, whatever, Ben. If you want to call me a bandwagon jumper, whatever. But when Jimmy wasn't uh, falling off, and I was a HMS guy, uh, but when I saw uh, Blaney win at Pocono in the Woods brother uh, brothers car, that was awesome. And then when when he got made and got up to the <laughs> the the top uh, in, up in the twelve, the, the you know. Up at uh, Penske there. Lucky they didn't Tommy him. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, you know, and that's true. They stuck by Blaney the last couple years, and now he's he's a NASCAR champion and well-deserved as well. And can't wait to see what he does next year. And we're, we're going to talk a little bit more about the 2023 NASCAR Cup Series season at a couple more episodes before we wrap up our season. In the next couple of months, we got uh, we got about a handful of episodes left, so we'll uh, we'll have that coming at you and more on the upcoming episodes of the Wide World of Motorsports podcast coming at you on CFMH 107.3 Local FM in St. John, New Brunswick, and CKMS 102.7 Radio Waterloo in Kitchener, Waterloo, Ontario, as well as the Performance Motorsports Network app. You can also catch us on demand wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on social media. Drop us a line at the WWOMS. Well, that just about wraps it up for this edition. I am James Jordan. Mike Wallace. The Eggman. And the American. See y'all around the bend. Adios. Bye-bye. Peace. Peace.